As we read the Epiphany text, the text that points to us and, and shows us the story and that, that Tom just went through of the, uh, the Magi coming, there's a few little pieces and parts of it that stick out. And, and one of them is that as Herod heard of this king being born, it wasn't just Herod that was flustered, but it was all of Jerusalem. It's a very small statement that kind of pops out there but kind of begs the question of what is it that they were scared of? What is it that made them fearful of hearing of this new king? On Christmas Eve, Marcus preached and he talked a lot about light and darkness and how Christmas is the light entering into the world. On Epiphany, we celebrate the light coming to the Gentiles. That is, as far as I know, all of us. Something that stands out for us having heard and found salvation in Christ Jesus and letting us know. And to all of us, this sounds great. This is not any sort of cause for fear for us, but rather cause of rejoicing. And hopefully in in kind of a spreadable way. (laughs) But Jerusalem feared. And oftentimes, if you speak to anybody about the faith, outside of the faith, Fear is very real about this. What is it? What is it that is so different about this light coming into the world? What is it that's so different about this Savior that is born that the rulers and the authorities fear and they wonder what may be? And the world still stands in complete confusion as He comes. An artist that I've uh, come to like and sometimes helps me deal with having a toddler is a, uh, a singer and a songwriter by the name of Nina Simone. Do any of you know her? Remember, You should know her more than I should know her. Uh, Nina, <laughs> Nina Simone, who uh, uh, is more of kind of a, a soul and, and jazz singer, but her songs go past many genres came out with this anthem when she was in the middle of her struggle trying to figure out her identity and figure out, uh, especially as an uh, African-American female, uh, her place in this country. And, and one of the songs that she wrote is a song called I've Got No, I've Got Life. And the song, as it goes through, continues to go through all these things that, that really, in the end, she does not have. I've got no friends. I've got no faith. I've got no... Uh, wealth, I've got no shoes, I've got no this. And then she turns in halfway through the song and starts saying, I, but I've got my hair, I've got my body, I've got my figure, I've got my breath, I've got life. And the point of the song is that all of these exterior things are, are not really dependable. They are not things that she has, but, but she's got herself and she's got her life. And it makes for a very good song when you're trying to pick yourself back up. And I think it stands as a great anthem for the way the world sees things. Because oftentimes the way that we comfort ourselves and the way that we look for even some sort of hope is just seeing the fact that I'm still alive. That I'm still here. That I still have my body. Or something that looks what like used to be my body. 
that this is the hope of our society, that this is the hope of the world. And I would put all the money I have, which is not much, in saying that each of us has either had a time in our life or are living right now where those words resemble a lot of what we're feeling. That I don't seem to have anything dependable. I don't seem to have anything that I can rely on for anything. But I've got me. Some Christian theologians would say, this is the national religion of the United States. Certainly, we come into those times where this is our own anthem. I've got me and only myself. That there is nothing out there possibly that could come here and make a difference with me. Because every time that seems to happen, it goes away in the end. It doesn't work out. It's not the way it should be. But for the Christian, for ones who are celebrating right now that light has come into the darkness, there is no way that we could ever possibly sing that song with a straight face. Certainly a Lutheran would never look at themselves and sing a song like that. But any Christian, for that matter, should not look at themselves and be able to sing that song because all I've got is me. Develops a problem for us. Because we know that the body fails. We know that the spirit slides. We know that we ourselves let our, ourselves down. And so to sing a song like that would place us firmly in the darkness. If you were to picture yourself in a completely dark room and standing there with the absence of light, there's only one thing that you could be certain of. Yourself. It's the one thing that you can reach out and touch. It's the one thing that you would be able to find with any sort of certainty. Maybe you would even like yourself more in that dark room than in the light. But it's the one thing that you would be able to find. And the one thing you would be able to know, which explains why so many people take this stance, why so many people identify with that understanding, well, at least I've got me. Because in the dark, that's really all you have. It's not until light enters into the picture that you are able to even see anything outside of yourself. Anything beyond who you are. Anything beyond just these flesh and bones. But it's in the light that you are able to see the rest of the room. To see whatever cave you may be in. To see whatever it is that is around you. It's even by light these days that people can see molecules and cells. With light entering into the picture, we see that there is so much more beyond just me. Beyond just myself. 
our text in Isaiah, Isaiah 60, which if you are familiar with any 1980s and 1990s Christian contemporary worship song, sounds familiar to you. Arise, shine, for your light has come. It has dawned on Israel, and the nations have gathered together. Isaiah 60 begins to speak of this time of the light coming into the world. And this light is coming in and shining upon Israel. And suddenly Israel is able to see everything around itself. And not only is Israel able to see everything around itself, but all the rest of the world is finally able to see the light. And as this light comes upon Israel and Israel arises and it shines, all the nations are drawn to it. And we, as people of Christ, live in a time where we know this light has come. We, from all the other nations, have gathered around Him, have found this light to be true. In its warmth, we suddenly feel what actual love can be like. In its penetrating nature into our hearts and into our lives, we find what actual forgiveness can possibly mean. And in its illumination, we see creation. We see the world as it was supposed to be. We see the way God's love continues to make, remake, and bring to life. So in the light, we cannot sing this anthem, but rather we are ones who are able to raise our heads and see. We think back to a very famous psalm, Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? But rather the Lord, the strong, the mighty, the quick to save. Raise up your heads and see. For the dawn of the Lord has come. The light has visited us and remains. Now certainly, I am a realist. The Malones are a realist group. (laughs) This is always easier said than done, isn't it? And sometimes it's always hard to put this uh, concept of light into practice in our own lives or even to realize the way that it comes in. Because certainly we know the times where it makes sense to write it all off except ourselves. Certainly we know the times that can drive us to the point of being able to say that, you know what? I've got me. What is it that this light does? What is it that this light even is that comes into our lives? Certainly this is not a question that is new to any of us or new to any person in the faith. After all, those moments are enough to make the the strong weak and to make the faithful doubt. Just picture even for yourself the the apostles as they gathered together after having what they thought to be the light die right in front of them. There's very little darkness that we can relate to to probably what they were feeling as they gathered together in their closed room 
hiding, not even knowing what is next. Maybe they hadn't gotten to the point of saying it's about just all that left is me, but certainly all that was left was them. But remember as Christ appeared to them again, as they realized and they found that the light had not actually gone from the world, but had come in all of its realness to the world. As they walked along the road and they talked with Him and they spoke with Him, and He began to teach them, and He began to share to them the realities of His forgiveness, the realities of life eternal through the resurrection. Remember, as He began to break bread with them, He said, didn't we not know? Did not our hearts begin to beat in the breaking of the bread, in the hearing of His words, in the opening of our eyes to the light? That even in the darkness of death, in the darkness of doubt, in the darkness of all the fear the world has to throw at us, that in the words of Christ and in the breaking of bread, does not our hearts begin to beat a bit faster? Do we not open our eyes and find ourselves united to the nations brought together under the Lord? Do we not begin to see that this faith pulls us past just us and brings us to something so much more? Think of the way that Job must have felt as he was there having lost every single thing he had his livelihood, his family, everything. <laughs> Certainly we, we can relate to that, having lost loved ones, having lost our jobs, having lost any sort of security that we thought we had built up. And he spent his time searching, trying to find his way, even back towards the darkness away from God. But as the word of the Lord comes to Job, telling him to stand and to hear, he hears of the way that this light had been brought to the world. He hears of the way that Christ or God had created. He hears of the way that all things come from Him. And was not He restored? Was not the light of life brought back to Him? Was the servant not brought back to his master? How the light opens our eyes and helps us see the truth. The truth of a God who makes, who redeems, who continues to be with us. We move from people who say that we've got nothing except ourselves to people who have everything, who have got it all. From the wealthiest to the poorest to the oppressed to the free, we are all people in Christ who have everything. We hear the story of people who were far distant Gentiles, not even knowing the very God they were coming to worship and to adore. But even with them, they bring what it is that they have to lay at the feet of this God. Maybe they were expecting an infant. Maybe they were expecting a toddler. 
Maybe they were expecting a grown child or an adult. But what they found by the light of the star was the light of life. And what they began was what we continue to do today, is in that light, worshiping our God, bringing what it is that we have together as one, not sending any sort of anthem out there that, well, at least I've got myself, but singing an anthem of, here is all that I have. Let it be yours. For in the light I see everything. And what I see is everything is yours. Come let us worship and adore our God in such a way. Let us remember that our eyes have been opened and what we see is Him. We see His cross. We see His word. We see His body and His blood. We see His people. We see truth. Amen?